What's up, everyone? Hey, friends. Welcome back to Wildfire. Is it is it okay? Wildfire. Wild, wildfire. 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 Uh, I don't know. We still trying to work it out. Um, our friend, um, Lynn Douglas from Millennial Things Podcast. She just debuted a new theme song for Millennial. And it's hot. Millennial I Things. It. I love it. Lance killed it. I think. So we need to give him we, a I think our, our intro song can be church. Wildfire. Can we get a Lena Bird Miles to sing? Oh! <laughs> I would never make it through any episode ever again. <laughs> I'd just be stuck at the intro. So, Lena Bird, Lena, we Lena, Lena or Melvin Crispell the third? Either one. I would just just drive it on <laughs> home. Yeah, I'd just be done. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two weeks since we've had a show. How, did y'all miss us? No, they ain't loyal. They ain't loyal. No, I'm lying. Y'all actually are extremely loyal. Looking at these numbers and these stats, y'all I just be listening to. I appreciate us y'all so much. Talk and and uh, argue, argue, yeah. and, <laughs> and wonder around the mix. topics yeah. and float from one subject to the next. Thank y'all for. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank y'all so much. It means the world to me um, that you guys would just and listen. Me, and me. It, it means the world to us that you guys would listen to anything that we have to say. Um, and I just, yeah, I appreciate it. This is awesome. This has been a learning experience. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait. Okay. Why are you, why is this your sexy voice? What is happening right now? Oh, I got a little Barry this White. Ain't, <laughs> this ain't, um, this ain't Wildfire After Dark. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Sunday. No, I got a little bit. That's, that's why I got the little Barry White and the Teddy Pendergrass in my voice because, um, I've been singing at church all day, recording service. segments for service. So I don't have nothing left to give, you know. <laughs> well, and we so we I'm trying on Tuesdays now. I miss the hustle and bustle of Sunday, but even though Sunday is still a busy day for me, I just miss the saints. I guess I do too. That's I miss being with people, and it's one thing to worship by myself. But yeah. to worship with people, especially like I know, like the people that I'm really close with, and I know their testimony, I know their story, and so when I see them let loose, and I'm right behind them, it's like, listen, we in this together. That's yes, like the meme with the little white girl fanning her hand. <laughs> yes, go in. Like, yes, he is a healer. Oh, he healed you. <laughs> I'm running with you. Come uh, on, let's go. Church is actually starting very soon. Uh, by the time this podcast airs um, next week, we're going back. We'll be back uh, slowly. So say, that might be a little too soon. No, no, no. So, <laughs> so pray for us. Uh, <laughs> pray that we don't get COVID. Pray that people. Pray. No, I, no. We we bind that in the name of Jesus. But let's pray that people wear masks or do whatever they they have to do to feel safe. Um, we've been recording anyway. Every week it's been a small group, so our group is really comfortable with each other, and we know everybody's habits. And we've been social distancing, and we're kind of used to it. But adding, you know, a layer of parishioners back into it kind of could be a little bit different because for weeks it's just been us and the pastor at church. I read this article that said singers are super spreaders, and um, uh-uh. that it might be a while before choirs and stuff. Oh, Jesus. We'll be able to legally. Now I don't. I know what y'all doing, y'all. Well, listen. Let stuff. me tell y'all. Uh, let me tell y'all. My church, legal or not, that worship team, you are gonna be hell. Jesus, you're my king. <laughs> y'all seen that? No. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm gonna bring back the classics. <laughs> hell, Jesus, you're my king. My favorite when I was a child <laughs> used to be the one he said, "Hell, hell." I don't have no voice. Because you just voice. wanted to cuss. I sure did. You thought you was cussing. I sure did. I didn't think. <laughs> I knew, and my mom would be like, "You like that part, don't you?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." Just wanna, yeah. And she's like, "Are you cussing?" I was like, "No." Just how the song go? I'm not cussing. And then as soon as she walked out, I said, "Hell, hell!" Sometimes I say, "Hell yeah, Lana." I, was, I remember I was on the cuss. Of cuss words. I remember I got in trouble for saying uh, "fool" when I was a kid. Oh, "fool" ain't no cuss word in our house. Well, in my house. Fool was a cuss word, and I didn't know because I mean they say fool all the time. That's in the TV. Bible. Well, Janet Lattimore did not like that I said fool. I said, oh, I, I don't Janet. know what I was talking about. I said, look at that fool, and Ooh. she turned around, and I bet she, as only she could turn, <laughs> as only the rose of gospel <laughs> turn around, and um, I don't think I spoke the rest of that day. Oh, 
We've taken two weeks off. Let's talk about what we've done. We've done some things to update the podcast, enhance things a little bit. We listen to all of your comments, read all of your messages and emails and everything that you guys say. So we, we, we really appreciate y'all. Yeah, so we're, we're absolutely new to this. So we definitely take, you know, the hit, the tips and everything. We still have some mountains to come over. Mountains to climb. But, okay, I could go either way here. I could either go Kurt Carr. <laughs> Okay, Wait. mountains and winds. Not that I wasn't winds. going there. Winds. I wasn't going there. I was saying I could either go Miley Cyrus, it's the climb, or oh. or I could go Kurt Carr for every mountain. <laughs> but he ain't brought us over yet. So. Yeah, we're still trying to overcome. So, <laughs> so we're gonna go with we Miley. Go, we're gonna go with we it's, the climb. it's the climb. It's the climb. It's the climb. We did have to take a two week break, and we apologize for that. But season one is gonna be a little bit longer. It's gonna be to make up. Longer, it's gonna be longer. Twelve weeks longer. No, well, not not twelve weeks, weeks longer, longer, but it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be twelve weeks. weeks. Yeah. So y'all got us for twelve weeks. This is the what are we gonna name this one? We haven't named it yet. Yeah, we don't know. We gotta listen. We gotta see what our interview guest says today. Speaking of, speaking of, we're gonna go into our next segment with our special guest. Kier Bijorn. Um, whether you know it or not, recognize his voice and his pen. If you have heard Maverick City's new um, album, Love is a Miracle, he is the individual behind writing that song or one of the writers on that song. And he wrote a song on Brie Babineau's album. Yes, a couple, I think. Uh, Baptize Us Again. Baptize Us Again. Mm-hmm. You also have heard him on Elevation Worship's projects from an incredible place of Winston-Salem. Um, Winston-Salem is incredible. Um, Incredibly boring. And an incredible guy deserves incredible praise. Incredibly small. And incredibly innovative. Incredibly Moravian. Um, We are Moravian. What else? Dewey's Dewey's Bakery Old Incredibly dry. (laughs) Anyway, Kier um, is a part of a group called Common Hymnal. um, And they are all about like music christian music that is socially aware i mean that deals with some of the issues that we're facing now as a nation and um as a people you know maverick city also is very socially aware and they create out of that relationship so with everything that's going on right now in the yeah. world rest in peace george floyd i'm tired josh i'm tired i'm tired I'm weary i'm leery i'm and it's really it, this is really difficult for me to be happy and to be jovial in this podcast right now because my heart is broken. Yeah. And I just I remember when President Obama was elected as president and there was this term floating around that we were in a post racial society now. Yeah. And I remember as if that was the end all be all like but I do remember there being a certain sigh of relief because it did kind of feel like this will bridge the gap this will finally make people that don't look like us view us as equal yeah. and I thought that that would be that that would be a form some type of form of equity but obviously it was not and it just pains me that the value that's placed on the life of an African-American is so little. Right. If there's any value at all. It just, it... And it just goes to show us that even equity is not synonymous with equality. As an educator, I can go on and on and on about that. We can talk about that. We can talk about that for days but at the end of the day things like this are not going to get better until we have conversations and not just conversations amongst our separate groups but multiracial conversations so if you do have multiracial relationships and you have interpersonal relationships with individuals um that you know are different races i think now we should use this as an opportunity to have conversation absolutely and i love i have a hard time believing in a god who the only justice that we put on jesus is the nails in his hand 
and the whips on his back that he is mercy and justice and i truly believe that but i believe that jesus cared about social justice absolutely he cared about the people that were downtrodden marginalized his heart was for everyone and i think that kier will bring an interesting perspective to this conversation because he is yeah well i'm not gonna tell his story for him yeah let, let, let him tell a story. So without any further ado. That got heavy. That yeah, got really heavy. Real quick. Yeah. Let us get into the interview with Kier Bijon. I still don't like that. I love it. Okay, you like it, I love it. Bijon. Nah, I don't love it. We have an awesome, amazing fire feature today. I have the name of Kier Bijon. Welcome to the couch. This is not a couch. Welcome to the Zoom. Kier. The Zoom, yes. Corona still has us Zooming. Just interesting. We're making do in the middle of the pandemic. Hallelujah. How are you today? I'm doing well despite the rain falling all day. <laughs> all day long. I enjoyed the rain, actually. Okay. Sometimes. It's time for some more sun. Yeah, I enjoy rain too when it rains like a day, but it's been raining since like Saturday. We had no, we had we had a break. Was it Friday or Saturday? Okay, I said since Saturday. Oh, okay, so <laughs> it's been raining since Saturday. I'm so excited to have Kier on the podcast. Whatever. Oh, I've been knowing Kier since I was exactly. I don't remember it. Like I don't remember. I've been knowing Kier a long time. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate you because you've always been like somebody that I've kind of looked up to. I think Josh and I was talking about this on our first episode. You kind of paved the way for seeing the things that you did and the people that you worked with and how you carried that. And you still served in like local ministries. And we were able to see you on Sundays. And we, you know, like you were still the same person hanging out in the car, you know, or hanging out wherever. It was just really inspirational. I think there are a lot of people in our area or in North Carolina who have looked up to you. And so I just appreciate you. I mean, I remember your MySpace days when I used to go and listen to all your songs on MySpace. <laughs> Dare You to Call His Name was my favorite. That sounds churchy. Was it churchy? It was not churchy. Oh, and okay. I think that's what made it so cool. It's not like, hey, the come now. <laughs> like my, my song, Call His Name. It was not <laughs> well, churchy. Yeah, I guess that's why I thought that. Yeah, no, it was not churchy. It was hop slash indie ah. yeah it was a little bit of everything I, I, I that's yeah that's what i in, always end up writing something that's a little bit of everything so that's okay i downloaded it illegally off of my space a couple years ago so, <laughs> so we're gonna play it in the podcast i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't yeah, know if slap us with that lawsuit <laughs> I for a long time you've been someone that i've looked up to and I think a lot of people in this area have looked up to you and we just we definitely appreciate you for that and thank you really appreciate that melvin we have known each other for a very long time and i love your parents so much that's how <laughs> it hurts i, I oh, love your parents love you too. Because they are, they just, they've always been the sweetest people when they found out we were interviewing you, they were like, oh, man. They were so excited. Yeah, my mama was excited. And last she, week, she was, that's, that's all she saw me. And she started asking a whole bunch of questions. And I was like, Ma, uh, I don't know. I think she wanted to submit some questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, do, I really do appreciate that. Um, so what was Melvin like as a... Okay, this interview is not about me. We need at least one minute of it. Yeah. So what was Melvin like as a little kid? That's what we're going to say. He was the same. <laughs> not in a bad way. He was the same... Like he has the same face. I love it. I still gotta get used to all the facial hair. Oh man! Elvin was just the same. He was happy. He was like quiet. And I remember we used to hang out a lot with, with Tamilia and Bethany and all the other Pankies. And I don't know, just fun. And I mean, Melvin was like quiet. Oh, <laughs> that's a From, fun. I got ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. All my Melvin has always been really supportive too. Uh, I know a lot of the community I events didn't get a lot, whether it was like 
an outside outreach thing or whatever. I used to see Melvin there all the time. I'm not saying that he was there to support me, but I always felt supported. It's always cool to see familiar faces when you're singing somewhere amongst a bunch of, you know, strangers. So he was somebody who I did see all around the city. Uh, and our city, the music scene was is pretty, I mean, the city's small, but the music scene was, as far as gospel music was pretty much, you see the same people all the time. So it was really cool to always see Melvin there. Um, and at that time, for a while, when I was like an early teenager, I used to ride with Tamilia all the time. Yeah, would always be around. So I, I knew I would get to see Melvin at some point. And so... That one was cool. And Tamilia was like, the, it didn't matter where we had to go. She made sure everybody had a ride. So she yeah. said, I'll come get you. I'll come get you. And so we were always in the car she together. She was the Uber. She was the Sounds Uber. Like. She was. <laughs> Shout out to Tamilia Smith. Okay, I always remember. Yeah, I was going to say Panky. But yeah, yeah. Those, were some, those were some good times. But to go back to what you said, like even now, like if I see your name on something, I get it. Or if I, I see that you're doing something, I try to follow it. Like I kind of saw about the Maverick City stuff. I didn't really know much about it, but I saw that you were involved in it. Or like Common Hymnal. Like mm -hmm. I started following them and stuff because I saw that you were involved. So I do I try to people that, you know, like when you see they're part of something that usually is something quality yeah. or something interesting. So you just kind of support because of who they are. Cause you know, we don't be liking everything. <laughs> well, that, mean, that means a lot. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's a good segue into into what wows you. Get it out, son. And what ails you? So mm -hmm. first, we want to ask you what wow what is wowing you right now? That is so broad. I won't be honest, and this is going to sound like real, not stupid, but just real boring, maybe. So one thing that's really wowing me right now is just all that's happening in my household right now, wow. and how and how I am able to, uh, and how we are able as a family to like juggle it all and and keep making stuff happen keep keep things afloat you know we we just sold our house and it sold in less than a day so then wow. we had another house and then we were able to buy a house and then our closing day is the day after the baby is due so the baby is actually acting like he's trying to come out soon so it's just like ah! and then I'm working <laughs> on the music and it's just a lot right now. It, not in a bad way, but just in a seasonal type of way. And it's a lot, but it's just been great to see the Lord sustain. To be able to do any of what we're doing in the middle of a pandemic, I'm like, wow. Like, you really do love, you really do love your children, Lord. Yeah. And yes. you really do sustain your children. Um, so that's one thing. But on a, like, really left field type of thing, one of the things that's wowing me right now is food. Y'all do it every uh, time. Preach. So I'm not a seafood person by any means. I mean, I get when I go to like somewhere near the water, but we haven't going to Red Crab to get their little bag, yeah. the seafood bag. We've done that. Like one week we did it like, yeah. it's been a thing. And I don't know what's up. I think what it is, is, when she gets pregnant, I get what they call sympathy uh, pregnancy. It's when I get cravings. I'm up late, eating late at night. I might feel nauseous when she feels nauseous. It's like, it's real. So it's like, I think I'm pregnant. It's because <laughs> that I'm having these cravings and stuff. But that's been wild for me to see how my body is affected by what's going on in her body. Um, real quick, but, real uh, quick. What flavor do you get? They all nasty. No, they're not. Okay. I get name, name I get, them. Name, I get name. juicy. I get juicy hot. So we, no, I don't do hot. Okay. I do. We do juicy though because she's like juicy. She wants. So it's all yeah. It's all mixy. That's all three flavors. But that's been wild. Me food has been wild. Me seafood has been wilding me. I also went to Winston Salem a few weeks ago just to go to Versace Seafood and get me an oyster burger. I'm like, what is happening? I don't even like seafood. I keep hearing about this for sight. <laughs> I got. I have to. I have to go. We're, we're in Winston right now. Yeah, we can't. Here for we can't this they'll be closed by the time we get done with this. But you definitely got to check them out when you get a chance. So that's been wild me. Um, so what ails you? One of the things that ails me is again. I'm gonna go there. But one of the things that ails me right now is just the state of the church in some ways is really ailing me right now. I mean, the church is not falling apart, but there are some places in the church that are falling apart and those things are ailing me. Um, and that's being on the deep side, 
uh, just with, with racial things, with cultural things, um, system, systemic things, um, all those are kind of ailing me. They've been ailing me for a while, but, you know, you keep pressing while you're ailing. Um, but then, again, on the other side of things, something that ails me is having a car. I hate cars because of the trouble that they always give you. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I just bought two new tires a few months ago. I just you bought know, two I, new tires yesterday. I have $500, and then a few weeks ago, I bought two more new tires, and it's another $500. Yeah. Like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, dang, why can't we live in a city where I can just hop on my bike and drive to where I need to get to? Yeah, that's ailing me, but that's a blessing too. But it's been ailing me. It's like cars, man. So let's delve into both. You said you mentioned the state of the church. So I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about how has your church shifted during the pandemic, and then we'll talk about the racial. We'll get yeah, on. I have the privilege of being one of the worship pastors at Celebration Church, which, which is based in Florida, but we're here in North Carolina. Um, I haven't seen them in a while since the pandemic has happened oh, down the border. So uh, I'm at Celebration Church, Pastor Stovall and Carrie Weems and Pastor Tim Timberlake and Jen Timberlake. We love Tim. That's my buddy. Great, great, great family. Yes, and Miss Brenda. Oh, man. The whole Tim, all the Timberlakes. We love them. Yeah. <laughs> love all of them. I forgot about her. I can't. can't yeah. Forget about Ms. Brenda. Yeah, I love her. Oh, Pastor Bob. I've been there since November 2019. So it's still pretty new for me. Uh, but it's been such a joy to serve there. Can I can I ask like a sidebar question? It's kind of it's kind of in the vein, but what was it like to make that initial transition? I remember growing up, um, you were at one of the, I would say, premier um, African American churches in Winston Salem, and everybody everybody knew you. You were worship director. You kind of became synonymous with that ministry. And it, you kind of it kind of came a part of your brand, and then I remember you making the transition to a different multicultural body. Um, what was that like? Was that a rough transition? Being at a multicultural ministry, I know that it is much different than being at a predominantly African American ministry. And one thing that I know about you is that or that I've witnessed is that you never you don't code switch. It's like the same kid that was you know, at that first ministry and that does full gospel is the same key area that I see, you know, that does these other, you know, more diverse arenas. How did, how was that transition and how do you maintain being that same person? That was certainly a God thing. Um, it was a hard thing too, because I, my position at where I was, was not a paid position, but I operated as if it was. Um, and it was, you know, my joy to serve. I learned so much there. So when it was time, when I felt like God was like, okay, cause I heard him say, I, I heard the spirit say it's, there's more, there's, more. it's time. There's more. And I, a lot of opportunities came and I would like say, no, not right now. I'll pray about it. I'll think about it really in my, in my head. I was like, you know, I'm not, I was scared. I was scared of the unknown. I was scared of what people would say about me because, you know, when you attach yourself to something that's not it's all black, sometimes, you know, your black counterparts can be like, you know, what you're doing, you know, like you selling out all that stuff like that. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. So I was worried about that. And then I was just worried about not fitting in because though my heart has always longed for multicultural uh, worship environments and, and atmospheres. And I've been a part of those things like, you know, guests here, guests there. But to know that I was going to be merged in this thing culturally and just it would be a big part of my life freaked me out. And so I was just scared. But I was also like, OK, well, it's now or never. I mean, it's really not a now or never thing. But as far as moving with the current of, of God, it's, it's almost like a now or never thing. You got to move when he speaks. So I said yes. And it turned out to be. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life uh, is stretched me. I was able to um, teach a lot of what I grew up learning and help clear up any discrepancies or any false beliefs of where I came from. It was, it was mm -hmm. just, it turned into, I mean, it wasn't easy at all, but 
I was able to do a lot of that there. Um, and then it, just, it felt like home when I got there. The, the idea of feeling like you unlock another piece of your purpose or another piece of your journey in life. And I felt like I unlocked another piece and I started discovering things about myself that I never knew that I could do. Like aside from music and singing, like it was business and, and other ministry counseling, uh, conflict management, all these things that I really kind of dealt with from a systemic way. It was more like a stumble and figure it out kind of deal. Um, and that's not saying that American churches don't have that in place, but I wasn't used to that. So for me, you know, let's be uh, honest, our white brothers and sisters love some systems and processes, okay? So I stepped into a bunch of systems and processes The some I had to be like, well, y'all, I'm, this is not how I operate. And it actually feels like it goes against how I feel about things. So y'all can have that part of the system and the process, or, you know, you can focus on that. I'm going to focus on this. But a lot of it, too, grew me and uh, groomed me to be a better leader. Um, and I had to, you know, drop a lot of walls down and boundaries and also put up a few walls and boundaries yeah. until I was ready to... Uh, walk in into those spaces. So all that to say, it was a great thing, a great transition. It was a hard transition, accepting, you know, uh, more, you know, more money and all this stuff that came in with that. It was a big decision for me, but I felt supported from my family and my friends. And I'm, I thank God that I did what I did and that I stepped, you know, stepped out. Honestly, it one. I remember when I was faced with a very tough decision. God was telling me to be a part of this multicultural ministry, but all I knew was black church. Mm -hmm. And I mean like click track on Sunday morning, like going in, like that church was everything to me. Like I loved that church. I loved everything about it. And so it was so difficult. And I remember though, like being afraid to tell my parents, like this is where the Lord sent me. This is where the Lord telling me to go. And my friends and like culturally making that, that shift. Um, And I remember you had kind of made that shift. And I was like, you know what? I felt a little bit more at ease about it because it was, it was at least I had somebody who I could look to who had already kind of made that transition um, and who seemed to be fitting in because I was concerned about fitting in. I was concerned about right. being accepted. Like, do they love me? Will they love me? Will I love them? Will I? And I, I, it's been an amazing experience. And yeah. uh, you, oh. you, you deal with all those things. Uh, yeah. And I was going to a place where I was going to be the first and the only black person for six years. And well, as far as being on staff, and that was that was hard. That took me through so much. It grew me so much. And, you know, I had to even, I mean, heal from some things that I encountered there uh, and, and, and encountered being in that environment so it's not something that you just jump in without having some reservations or whatever it's like you're going to have those things but uh it's definitely a, a great thing to do when you feel like god is calling you to do that so how has at celebration church how have you all um did um during this pandemic what are some things that you've had to learn man so okay so <laughs> right. set up of how we're even like Operating. So I'm at a North Carolina campus, which is currently still called Christian Faith Center. But they still have those beautiful floors, that carpet with all the different little colors. I don't, know this, carpet. I don't know what it is about that purple carpet with them flowers in it, but it just feels like the glory. Every time, oh, it's so soft. It is so, your feet just sink into, I love that. Church. Right. I love but, that. We, they find a way. We still have the purple carpet. Uh, not on the stage, though. Um, but, yeah, so we, our North Carolina team, is smaller than a lot of our other teams. Um, and where this particular campus now has, has never really relied on doing video and all that stuff as a sole thing that we do. So it's, it's, it was an, an, an adjustment, but I believe in, you know, delegating and, leaning on the right people to be a part of a team to make something happen. So thank the Lord, everybody that's on this team has been helping carry the weight of, of that. Like our celebration campus down in Florida has, you know, 
all these cameras and all these lights and all these things. And we don't have all that here in North Carolina. So we had to just make do with what we had. And it's been, it's been really, really cool to see us come together and figure this thing out. And not just, I mean, just because I have all the cameras down there in Florida, it's been hard for them too, because you got all these cameras that are always in use for all this different content from, for this pastor, for this pastor, for this worship team and all that stuff. So it's, it's been a, a big, big, big adjustment, just like so many other churches. Um, but it, it's overall been a smooth transition, I believe. Um, it's been fun because I'm a live kind of person as far as when it comes to music and leading worship. I prefer to have people in the room to, to feel, to sing with, to you know just feel the energy in the room and all that stuff. And just seeing the cameras all the time. Is <laughs> it? It can be like okay, so we're going to bring at least five people in this room to hear them sing the song with us. Um, no, but it's been fun, uh, and you know, just making do because we're still able to gather. In a sense, we have technology; we're able to gather with our teams to record content. So, just being thankful, man. Just continuing to be thankful in the midst of all the craziness. And down there in Florida, they've been killing it. We'll record our video on a Saturday or Sunday, rehearse and all that stuff, get our stuff packaged down, send it down to Florida. They edit the videos, they send it back to us, and it gets posted. So it's been like this huge team effort uh, to get this thing done. But it's been a lot of fun, and I'm really thankful. We're learning a lot. We're learning a lot about our strengths and our weaknesses, and uh, it's just been an honor to uh, lead and serve the team through this. And we'll be doing it, you know, for few more few more months well i don't right. we're not in a hurry to open up y'all right. know how that we're, is. we're not either um uh it's just been fun it's been a lot of fun we've been sticking together with zoom calls we do thursday worship meetings and prayer with our global um worship team celebration has like 15 or more campuses so we're all around the world and and wow. Israel, in the Netherlands, in Zimbabwe, in Paris, in all over Florida, in Nashville, in D.C. It's all, all over the place. So we've been trying to stay connected and uh, doing Zoom calls and all that stuff. Um, wow. It's been fun. It's been fun. It's definitely something you have to be intentional with because it's easy to lose sight of your teams and all that stuff uh, while, while this is going on and while we can't be face-to-face -face and and I was down in Florida. I would be going down to Florida um, to be with the Florida folks at least once a month. And I haven't done that, you know, since this has started. And um, it's, been, it's been a lot, but yeah, it's, been yeah. good. it's been good. Yeah, that resonates with me uh, because, like you said, we at my church, we had never we weren't even live streaming. You know? mm -hmm. So to go from not doing anything to now that's our sole that's what you, you know, do uh you know resource it, it's mind-boggling so it did a lot for me as the leader to make sure the team you know was up to par and to two because now we're in a direct feed and you know you hear everything and so to, just to make sure that you know we're all up to par and um, make sure that we're exuding because you have to exude differently i feel when you're just recording and no one's yeah. in the room you have to it, it just really has to be on point. Well, and, we discovered um, that a few of our videos, we were like, we looked at them, and we were like, oh, mm. <laughs> right. like we look sleek. Because you don't have that energy to feed yeah. off of anymore, so it was, yeah. it was just different. I got some really good advice about that. Uh, one of the guys at our church, he was like, so that's the time where usually when we are together, we sing out of out of our body's experience. But mm -hmm. when we're alone and there's nobody in the room, we need to sing out of our testimony. And that's Absolutely. the difference. And when he said that, it clicked in our worship ministry, just kind of the whole thing transitioned. Like, now I really enjoy our recorded services. Um, at first, it was a little like, oh, <laughs> oh boys. But now it's it's cool. But Yeah, um, we, um, sorry, my, my wife is bringing me dinner. <laughs> what you have yeah. for dinner? Oh, like <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I thought it was work like the usual. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. I gotta fix my own dinner. Right. <laughs> it smells good. To y'all, hurry up. All right. Oh <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah. It, 
that we've been adjusting with with that with just like you said like singing from our testimony like you have to dig deeper and yeah. you have to make it personal while keeping it corporate even though you're singing into the camera um and i think it's a great opportunity though because allowing people to almost see another facet of your relationship uh with christ with when, yeah. when you're working and you're having to dig deeper and yeah. further and push yourself and i think at the end of this pandemic or however if it ends or whatever that looks like when we're able to get back to our churches and get to something that's a new normal and still able to gather um i think that it's going to change our corporate gatherings so much so that yeah I feel like worship leaders are going to have more confidence in their yes. ability ability to lead their ability yes. and a room to to look at jesus because we've been having to look at jesus for months while uh, worshiping in a room and our teams have had to learn how to, you know, make do. So I think it's going to be powerful. I feel like opportunity for us to just better ourselves. I think even the church at home who are watching, they're going to come in with so much fire and energy. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, man, like I, some of my friends have started having church already again. And it's been like that. It's been like, yes, this is it. Um, and so I'm excited about that. But again, I'm not rushing that. You know, we can get there when we get there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I don't want to risk anyone's health and safety. Um, I'm going to shift just a little bit. Um, I love how outspoken um, you've always been about racism and injustices. Um, how is it that affected you in ministry at your multicultural churches that you've been, um, that you've held positions in and been members of? That has been probably these have been some of the most defining years of my life when it comes to that. Um, Understood. My um, six years of ministry was a, a mountain biking trip. Like you just wow. go on a mountain, mountain, mountain. You might have some moments where you're able to coast down, but then you're back up going and going and going again. And, you know, like your body gets sore because you're like, oh my gosh, this mountain is tearing my body up. It's like, mm -hmm. That's that's my best way to explain it. And but at the same time, it's like, wow, that was a beautiful ride mm. kind of deal. Um, and uh, it, it's been it's been challenging, but it's been rewarding. I think one of the biggest challenges has been to make sure that I'm showing as much grace as possible. And at the same time, not al not allowing grace to take the place of the work that needs to be done. Okay, so I need I need to we ooh, this is good. Write that down. Because no 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 because it's so interesting you said that. Even in this, even in all of this, you're still looking to, at ways to extend grace. When grace is not always extended to us as young black, you know, men, just to be frank. Um yeah. and that is so important because it's hard to do. Yeah. And in our in our search and in our fight to be more like Christ, it's you know it's what we have to do. How do you do that in a room of people that know genuinely even care about you as a human being? Oh, oh whoa! Not not not. I'm not saying everyone in that room. I'm saying yeah. knowing that well, there are some among them. When that, you just said that, that just reminded me of some of the ways that I felt when I've had to when like when there was a shooting. Or some kind of, you know, run in with with racism that was made public, and it happened like on a Friday or Thursday or whatever. It happened during the week, and then I would get this in my stomach as it led up to Sunday. Like, yeah, I've been there. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up in front of these people. Like, I like I would feel in my soul like I had to do the work of seeing these thousands of people in this room. Who does not like me? Who is rooting for myself? Like, it would be this very heavy, heavy feeling. I mean, it started taking a toll on my marriage. It started taking a toll on my confidence, on, like, my relationships with people. When I would walk into the office sometimes and on a Monday and not come out of my office because I'm like, I, I don't feel like talking to anybody here. There's nobody here that's going to under really understand how I feel or really know how to help me. 
or everyone's walking around like, it's a great Monday. I'm like, no, so-and-so just got shot yeah. the other day and looks like these cops are going to get off or, or it looks like, you know, there's not going to be any justice served. So just having to walk through that so many times, that was hard. Having a few conversations with a few people on staff, I was able to understand that there are some people who, even though they're exuding some discriminatory vibes or racist vibes, some of them don't know how to process. They don't know how to comfort you. They don't know how to engage with that. The the defense mechanism is to not say anything and, and to ignore. And that does not exclude, I mean, excuse them doing it because that's really unacceptable at this point, especially right now in 2020 with what we're dealing with. No one has the, the I don't think, the okay to just be quiet and not say anything. But I had to learn that and that was hard. I had to learn how to, and I know you talked about code switching, um, Melvin, I, I don't code switch, but I did have to, learn sometimes, especially when we had a busy week, like, okay, I need to go in this meeting, Kier, focus on what you're meeting about, don't take anything personal, you know, like, just, like, really set myself up for this meeting to be successful and to get the job done and get out and go home. Yeah. Like, just just being very, very intentional with protecting my heart, which is, is hard no matter what you do. Uh, especially when you you got to open yourself up to love people. So I'm opening mm -hmm. myself up to love people and sometimes getting jabbed, you know. And so that was hard. That was It was a really mentally stressful thing for me. I feel like it was stressful on my soul. Like, it was just so stressful in a lot of times. But the rewards were, like, testimonies of people, people's ha people having heart change or people having, you know, aha moments in the way they thought about this or thought about that. And it's, it's really about if when you choose to put yourself in a multicultural environment, uh, it is really important for you to enter it expecting to change, yeah. expecting to make impact on others and see change. And it's, it's, you should go in expecting to come out with some battle wounds because thing is not a party you know what i'm saying it, it's something you it's it's a war it's a war you go into what we do anyway in leading worship and calling on you know god and con and condemning any evil mm -hmm. to come you know is a war so when we are walking into these spaces where there's history centuries old history of evil and and racism all that stuff it's a war and so you have to know that you're going to come out with some battle scars. You got to know that you're going to get hurt. You got to be willing to hurt and you got to be willing to say some things and uh, have some conversations that it's going to sound crazy that hurt other people. Not that you're trying to hurt other people, but you got to be honest. So that's what that whole experience has been for me. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I have no regrets. I have, lost a whole bunch in all of this and i've gained a whole bunch in all of this and i'm still pursuing it and i'm pursuing it you know even more fire and even more zeal even more hope and uh, satisfaction and assurance of that god has called me to do this and that he has purposed me um for this for this purpose for this assignment and so it's lightened look the load but it's also made it heavier because since I know without a shadow of doubt that the Lord has called me to do this, I'm having to, you know, remind myself, well, you got to do this. Well, you got to have this conversation Well, yeah. you got to be willing to do this. You got to be willing to do that. So yeah, it, it's been a journey, um, but it's been great. I don't regret anything. So can you uh, share an instance where you had to deal with just blatant overt racism or has it always been just covert? Just no. Like Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I don't think I I have any that I know of at my ministry where it's been like, what's your very overt? They didn't mean that. That was that That's wasn't true. what that was. So he probably was. But go ahead, Kier. <laughs> with I mean, not within not within the people in our ministry. Now I've been other places with the people in, because I forget that we are like literally. I've been grafted into like this family, 
And so when I go out to eat with them and I, I there are a lot of times that I'm the only black person at the table or I'm yeah. the only black person in the room. I don't realize that that happens because I even have, I remember one time I had a guy to come up to me and say, where's your family? And I was like, I'm with my family. My parents are at their church, their pastors, mm -hmm. their church. Cause they're like, oh, are you here with them? Yeah. And I was just like, this is, th this is my family. But, I've also had moments where I've been places and they yell out in the middle, uh, look at look at the big, the big black one over there. And I'm like, wow. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, that's, that's interesting. Um, right. and when I kind of looked at the man, he was like, oh, I'm talking about the motorcycle, the motorcycle behind me. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh, <laughs> just so happens that both of us are big and black mm -hmm. in this room full of... Full of people right. right but so yeah I, I i don't think i've had any within our body but i have had those moments that are like but where i've questioned what do they think about me mm -hmm. because of some of their political stances mm -hmm. it does make me wonder mm -hmm. like, you know how i feel about that what do they like i know you love me as your christian brother and sister but do you love me as your black yeah, I've I've seen relationships that I've had with people. Um, you know, I'm I'm just gonna be honest. It's not this has not happened at where I am now because it, it just has to happen. It's a different atmosphere, different environment. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's it's just really different. Good way, um, and it there most of them are like it's spread across the world, so it's it's a little different. And the campus that I'm at is mostly black, all black. Sorry, it's all black. Um, but just in the past, um, I have dealt with, you know, whether, whether it be Facebook, Facebook message, um, someone pulling me aside church and saying something like, um, I love it when you get up there and sing and dance for us and shut and you know, it's like, he just called you Mr. Bojangles. Okay. I got that one before. Oh my God! Exactly. I don't know what I would do. I remember someone. It was an older gentleman coming up to me saying that. I was like, I do not sing and dance for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's. And I said, I do what I do so that you can sing and dance before the Lord. I I remember saying that. I was like, wow, wow. I was like, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. wow. That's I that's a to a small group and got there it was my first time at the small group. it was the first time this small group had ever met it was just men of different races and the goal was to gather different races for this to talk about issues with men different races and different ages and i remember going there it was at a friend's house get up there we're going you know how the conversation got to you know going off the deep end but this man that i've never seen in my life and never talked to that i didn't even know existed oh lord i'm scared whenever black folks <laughs> start with something like that well i mean it wasn't <laughs> like that but we were it talking story <laughs> <laughs> we're talking and then all of a sudden and not he and i weren't talking we were just talking as a group all of a sudden he looked at me and he says and you, uh, uh, Kier, you know my name. Like, he's like, and you, Kier, you know, all that stuff you be posting on Facebook. Like, can we talk about that? Like, racism is not even like that bad. Like, he just started going down and like, what do you mean? Like, we were talking about the Colin, Ka oh, Colin Kaepernick thing. And he just started like basically deconstructing, trying to deconstruct everything about race and, and the, the real effects of oppression these days and all this stuff. And it, it went off into this deep conversation that I didn't say a bunch in because I was totally stunned because I didn't go there for that. <laughs> and I did have two other friends in the room who were black and they were able to like start talking to him and basically de-escalating the situation. But he just started attacking me. And that right there was one of the things that confirmed one of the thoughts and fears I used to have when I used to get on the stage to lead worship. It was like, how many of these people have been talking about me at the kitchen tables? And like tearing me down and it confirmed because one of my thoughts was 
because um, I used to hear people say different things. People used to talk about my Facebook posts all around, you know, with each other. And I that confirmed me. You, you're one of the ones that have been talking about me that has been, you know, you know, basically talking down about how I talk about things, dealing with race and culture. Uh, and you've been judging me. And when I stand on the stage <laughs> to lead worship, you probably don't want to look at me. You probably don't follow me, you, you know, follow my lead as I'm leading worship. You probably are feel when I'm struggling Connect and church and worship. Like you, I felt you before I got to this room, and that was one of the things that really, really shook me. I mean, but yeah, that's that's the meat of what I want to get to because that stuff like that burns me. <laughs> I just can't. And I think that's why I haven't like crossed over yet. No, you I'm just so not. because you just have to where you're at. Ain't nothing wrong with it. You're in a good place. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean that too, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that yet part. You ain't got to cross up. Like, that's the thing. More of our white friends and brothers and sisters should be at our church on Sunday mornings. They, right. We should see them pop up like we pop up at their church, at their churches. So you stay where you are. And you <laughs> like our there, and they need to come visit. I want to kind of end on this because I feel like with all that you share with, there's so much more we can talk about. Maybe we can have you back at another time. We definitely need um, to because I have cause a I, whole, this is too much. I have a whole another hour of stuff. I mean, I see you in these conversations in being not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even really call you outspoken. I say that you speak, and a lot of people don't. And a lot of people sometimes being me, you know, sometimes I've been stuck in that dichotomy of knowing that I feel this mm -hmm. and knowing that because I'm a black person, I feel this and other people may not even understand my feeling or may mm -hmm. not even think that me feeling this is justified because they don't really understand. But I feel like you're kind of anointed to be like a forerunner for like racial injustice, social injustice. You kind of have your finger on the pulse of what it is that's kind of going on in bridging those types and starting these dialogues. But the thing I love about the things that you're involved in, it's not just the speaking part. You're a part of the action. You're part mm -hmm. of the ministries that are are cognizant about what's going on and having discussions and bringing that healing to people. Kind of, It's like you kind of show us how to be, how to feel, and what to do with those feelings. Like we get both ends from you because yeah. like with Maverick City and with the common hymnal, like I've listened to some of the common hymnal music and it just takes me, <laughs> it really hits me because I feel like not only do the writers get it, but there's a room full of people who had this conversation. Yeah. How do we go as worship and creative communities, how do we have these conversations about race and social justice in a in a manner that results in unity? Mm. I I think first we have to understand that we have to have the conversation because there's a lot of avoiding the conversation. I get it. No one wants to feel that uncomfortable feeling of having you know addressing the elephant in the room but it's like there's an elephant in the room can we address that because if we get the elephant out it'll be more room to do what we were created to do yeah. and it's like having the conversation having much grace being honest like not just black people being honest about like this is this this is that but white people being honest if they feel like they just don't understand if they feel like they don't fully grasp or convinced not that we need to convince them of anything but if they're if they're if they feel like they're not convinced that it's real we need to know that because i need to know if i need to even continue this conversation with you because you might not be the person to continue this conversation conversation with i might not have the tools and the grace to do it somebody else might have to do it so we need to be honest and uh be real with each other and i think too i was watching something this week it was viola davis i think it says sometimes imitate no art is influenced by culture i might not say this right but then she said there are other times when art the influencer of she said something but it hit me 
I need to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> but she was talking about she was talking about her show, you know, how to get how to get away with murder and um, just how the show has been full with what's been going on in the country for the last few years. And um, basically what I'm trying to say, trying to, you know, get that phrase together is that what can do for culture and for humanity predicated on what we're doing in real life and the conversations we're having in real life, the relationships that we have in real life. Um, and what I've discovered and what Common Hymnal is truly, truly about is the table. And when we talk about the, even uh, celebration, we talk a lot about the table, like so much of life, of connection, of genuine unity and, and joy and just all these things. So much happens at the table. So with Common Hymnal, one of the, one of the things that we did, the song that we have called Come to the Table, we recorded it the first night that we got to Nashville to record our album. And what it was, was really actually us having our first dinner together under a, a covering there were lights and stuff but we didn't know that it was going to be filmed we just thought we were having dinner we're having dinner talking it's loud and we're laughing and catching up and just i had my baby with esther rose she was a, just like four months old so people are like hey let me see esther rose and blah 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 and all of a sudden at the end of the table we hear someone singing they see and mark are singing a song come to the table and it's like it was this beautiful moment of like wow, this is, this is what it's about. It's about connecting. Yeah. It's about establishing and reestablishing relationship. And then this beautiful music is created from like our conversation. Come to the Table was created at one of the songwriting camps that we have. So all of this stuff has been birthed out of like community. And I know that's an overused word in amongst us and church and all that stuff but a community of people being a community uh what we always say coming hymnal we are the priesthood of the believers we're all responsible for each other we're all accountable to each other and we're all trying to get each other to jesus and so that's our goal whatever i do in my relationship with you i'm trying to get you closer to jesus i'm trying to make sure that I get closer to Jesus and that's what our relationship is is for. So with I guess outside of being a Christian and just talking about culture because I'm sure that you guys have people listen to your um, podcast that are from sides of the railroad tracks and the streets and, and not you know just in church. It's just about relationship. At the end of the day it's about relationship and that is one thing being said because you can have a relationship that you thought was this and it wasn't this or it wasn't that so it's about being in a relationship and agreeing and committing to saying i'm going to give you all of me and at some point giving me all of you we're going to have some kind of riffraff and we're going to have to deal with it we're going to talk about it there's going to be some kind of culture glitch as we're talking and as we're doing life to, with, with each other and so when we get to that glitch, we got to talk about it. I'm committing to talk to you about it. I want you to commit to talk to me about it and do this and get past this. I mean, it just, I don't know that what you asked just applies to everything. Even with Maverick City songwriting camps, everything, everything starts with a conversation. You get in a room and you write with people you've never met before. It's like, hey, my name is Kier. I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And you tell a tell a bit, little bit about yourself and you just put your heart on the table. What is God teaching me? What is God teaching you? What have you been feeling like you've been learning from life? What have you been feeling like? Boom, we get a song. And now we've written this song and we've gotten to know each other. We bonded over this baby that we've made, you know, for the lack of a better uh, word to use. And now there's this connection. So now we are committed to each other. So I say all this to say relationship is important. And I, because I feel like we're in cutoff off era right now where yeah. everybody's like i'm gonna cut you off and all i need is one friend or you know no <laughs> friends. No, no friends. Like, that is not the goal the lord did not create it the, the bible says for well, it is not good for man to be alone it is not good for us to be by ourselves we are not islands we are supposed to do this together we're supposed to do this as a village as 
a unit. And so when you're trying to do something by yourself or when you're trying to do something with somebody, but still within yourself, doing it by yourself and not connecting with somebody, you're doing the world a disservice. So all that to say relationship and collaborate, collaborate. To answer your question, that was like a five minute answer, but I'm sorry. Oh, no, that was great. That was great. Um, really quickly, I know you get asked this question all the time uh, and I kind of like to hear your responses. So I'm gonna ask you again, what kind of advice would you give to someone who um, is trying to get where you are, who, who, who is who is up and coming in, let's say they're just becoming, you know, or stepping into worship uh, pastor position. What kind of advice would you give them? Or if they're just starting to, you know, do songwriting, um, things that you've, you've kind of seem to do very well at, what, what would you tell that person right now? Um, as far as the worship pastor and even, you know, worship leading, I would say, know that it's not pretty. It's been glamorized, you know, to be a worship leader and to be on the stage and to be in front of people. But that's like an, that's like the picture of the iceberg. The, the top of the iceberg is you being on stage and singing and singing before people and, you know, doing music. When you get in this position, it's about people. Anything working in ministry is about people, whether you're parking the cars, worship leader, working in kids' ministry, graphic designer, whatever. Everything that you're doing is to serve people. It's to serve the body and to edify the body. So if that's not the main reason why you're doing wanting to be a worship pastor or worship leader, then you should not be a worship pastor or worship leader because it's the people that God assigns us to serve and to lead and to be servant leaders too. So I would say love people, learn how to love people. And when I say love people, I realize that that's a harder say than to do, but you have to love people. That means people who don't, who literally are the totally different type of personality type of you that you have to love and find a way to work with and to put all that you have together to meet a common goal. So love people and accountable and i would say also get a mentor whether it's a close mentor that you can have one-on-one contact with or somebody that you just on youtube and you listen to their podcast you listen to their teachings and all that stuff get someone um that makes you grow and makes you want to learn and that stretches you um but yeah I think that's what I would say as far as worship pastoring or, or being a worship leader. Um, as far as songwriting, I always say this when people ask me about songwriting. I don't ever consider myself as like this expert on it. God has been real good to, to me in that area. But I personally, it's been a lot of grace on my life for that because I kind of stumble into writing all my life. But as far as like getting songs placed and all that stuff, that was something that years ago I had strategy for and I, and I had plans for and I was striving to do this. And I, I would say about seven for the last seven years or so, that's been something that once I shifted, again, my mind on the things that are really important, like people, the people in my life, the plan, the full plan that God has for my life, opportunities started to come calls started to come from people I've never talked to in my life, but that I love and that I admire emails. And it's like, I didn't ask for any of this stuff. It was just great. So I would say, go where the grace is, go with the flow of grace. And, um, you know, to give some kind of structural shift to that, um, collaboration, collaboration is something that you never know where it will lead you. So find some friends to write with. When you get together, write some music and then be bold. Social media is so powerful. If you are a writer and you don't sing, get on social media and sing your song to somebody. Just send lyrics or somebody. Like I feel like media doesn't get the credit that it is really due. And I say that to connect with people, even to write with. Like it's social media. It's made for you to connect with people. So find people who are that you admire that write and say, hey, I would love to write or I'd love to send you this. Um, 
that's stuff that has worked for me in my past. I, my manager right now is my manager because I got on Twitter one day and no knew good well she had no reason. I have no reason to be contacting her. And I was like, would you manage somebody who is just starting out? And she's like, sure. And here we are nine years later. So it's like, be intentional, authentic, be yourself. Be out here trying to be everybody else because, yeah. you know, certain people, certain groups, certain whatever get elevated as the pinnacle of this is how you do it. Be yourself. That's what's going to open doors. It's the bad thing to walk in the room and be like, oh, dang, this wasn't for me because you were pretending to be somebody else. Mm. Walk your own doors and don't force yourself in any doors. Wait for the grace of God to open a door. Wait for the grace of God to make any moves. Um, but collaboration. Please collaborate. Be alone. We like to do stuff alone. All of the songs that I have placed in the last couple of years, none of them I wrote myself. That's one of them has been written with somebody else. So collaboration for me is so important because I'm like, I didn't do it by myself. <laughs> I literally did this with someone else. And so it's important to collaborate and learn how to healthily, healthily collaborate. Wow. Wow. So I much. feel like I feel like I owe you a little offer yeah. after that last one. Don't I'll take it. Corona. <laughs> <laughs> Let the grace of God open the door for wow. you. Yeah, go where the grace is. That's yeah, what, that's what got. Mm. What? Sorry, I was getting <laughs> I was getting a kick up. We're going to call that. him up. So while he's getting himself together, <laughs> we just want to say thank you. We really appreciate you. Uh, we know you have a ton of things um you know on your on your to-do list thank you for taking time to speak with us and to encourage and to inspire yeah you've definitely inspired me i do have one more last thing to say oh okay so i didn't share any scripture and oh. i don't usually do that but if i could leave anything uh to round all this up on here as we've been talking about just the reality of life is romans 8 17 it is which is my favorite scripture if we are Heir, if we are children of God, we are also heirs, and we are heirs of His glory. Yeah. And if we are heirs of His glory, that means we also must be sharing in His suffering. Yeah. So life is not about suffering, but we were conditioned to suffer. We were built to be able to go through and to go through the fire and still keep going. So whatever you know happens as we're talking about multicultural ministry, as we're talking about music, as we're talking about all this stuff as we're reaching for these things there's going to be some suffering and that does not mean that it is not the will of god or the plan of god i have suffered so much y'all i have a story to tell one day i'll tell it uh but just on the social the multicultural piece i've just suffered so much but it was not in vain it built me stronger and it got me to where i am now to where i feel um like a breath of fresh air so suffering is inevitable and our ability to live through and above suffering uh, and past suffering is inevitable. You can do it. I can do it. We can do it. It's got to happen. If you don't learn how to suffer, you're going to die. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's good. Hey, this is Kier Bajorn. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Wildfire. If you want to connect with me further, you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook at Kier Bajorn. That's K-I-E-R-R-E-B-J-O-R-N. Looking forward to hearing from you and connecting with you. Thank you.